Sweet. And when he returned to Capernaum, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him and let down on the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, you are awesome. You are great. You rule over everything. You made everything. It all belongs to you. Uh, we are in awe of who you are. You are the great king over everything. Lord, we come before you as sinners humbled by the fact that we are rebels against you. And Lord, we ask for your mercy. And we thank you, Jesus, that you've done everything necessary uh, to make us right with, with you, Lord, our great God. As we look at your word this morning, Father, would you grant us eyes to see what you've said? Lord, grant us ears to hear what you are saying to us today. And Lord, give us hearts that are open and willing uh, to understand. Um, Lord, have mercy on us by your spirit. Work in us to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, our only Savior. In his name, amen. Well, good morning, everyone. It's a privilege to get to be here and preach God's word to you this morning. Uh, we're going to be looking at Mark, as Claire kindly read for us. Um, special welcome to the Shalom guys. Great to have you with us. Um, it's always a, a pleasure to, to see you guys. And um, yeah, and please do stick around afterwards. We'd love to have some more chats and uh, just get to know one another more. Uh, I think this is our seventh Sunday. People can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so yeah, so th we're all pretty new here. Um, so it's it's great to um, to have uh, everyone along. And um, if uh, if I haven't met you yet, um, please do come and chat to me after the service. I'd love to get to to know you as well. And um, the week before last, um, we saw uh, in in Mark's gospel that Jesus is the King with the authority over everything. Authority over the physical realm, over the spiritual realm, and uh, over humanity. And we see Jesus' priority as well. His priority in preaching the massive news about him, the king, come to save. Today's passage continues that same theme uh, with a worked example. But before we get stuck into the passage, I want to start by asking a question. What is our biggest problem? What's my biggest problem? What's your biggest problem? What's humanity's biggest problem? I want us to really think about that. 
I mean, if someone bumped into you on the street and said, what's your problem? You might think, well, that guy's being a bit aggressive. That's not the kind of question I'm asking uh, this morning. I, um, I'm asking, uh, what, what is our biggest problem? What is my biggest problem? What's your biggest problem? Humanity's biggest problem. I want us to think for a moment of the kinds of answers that what we might give or, or that people we know might give, our neighbors, the people we come into contact with. We're doing a bit of thinking about this. Um, and I think if, if we were to ask some people in Perth what our biggest problem is, some of them might say rising interest rates, um, overlending. Um, some of them might say uh, a poverty, which is a similar idea, but um, more pointed. Uh, the fact that people around the world don't have enough to survive on. Uh, someone else might say war, uh, the fact that, that countries are battling against one another. Still, someone else might say climate change. Um, I've heard people say things like none of these debates matter because there won't be any of us left in 100 years. So um, with increasing natural disasters, rising global temperatures and rising sea levels. Another big problem that people see in the world is COVID. Many people were terrified by COVID and many people sadly died from it. And if you didn't think COVID was the big problem, maybe it was the, the government that was eroding our freedoms as COVID was going around. Um, or perhaps maybe you just think it's all an education problem. If everyone just knew more, then we wouldn't have these difficult situations. Or maybe disease itself. Uh, is it that, that if we got rid of all of that and the physical ailments that go along with it, then we would have dealt with our biggest problem? No. <laughs> Jesus, the king of the whole world, as Mark has been showing us, the king of the whole world has a different idea. In today's passage, Jesus answers that question, what is our biggest problem? And it isn't climate change, COVID, war, or famine. And not only does he answer what the problem is, he shows us the only solution. So we're going to see our biggest problem, the only solution, and the right response. So firstly, our biggest problem. And to see our biggest problem, we're going to look at those first five verses of today's passage again. Um, so feel free to have your eyes over there and I'm going to retell it for you in my own words. Jesus has gone back to Capernaum where he cast out demons and healed the sick, if you can remember earlier on in Mark. And he's at home. Uh, and just as we saw previously, Jesus is becoming incredibly famous. Uh, people are flocking to see Jesus from all over the regions. Lots and lots of people were there. And so much so that there wasn't even any room at the door. The house is packed. There's people outside. People just want to see Jesus. And Jesus was preaching the word to them. Jesus was telling them the massive news that he is the ultimate king and that he's bringing God's kingdom to earth. And at this point, four paralyzed friends... Oh, sorry, not... <laughs> oh, that would be different. <laughs> four friends... And their paralyzed friend, um, they, they bring him to Jesus. Uh, well, they try. Uh, they, get, they get there and they see that there's actually, there's no, there's no room. They, they can't get him to Jesus. The, 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 the whole place is packed. And so what do they do? Well, they, they make a plan. They're like, we're going to get up on the roof. Um, they, they, they want to see Jesus. They want to get their paralyzed friend to Jesus. So they get up on the roof. They carry their friend. Um, they make a hole in the roof. 
not to be vandals, but to uh, get their friend to Jesus. You can imagine dust and clay flying everywhere um, as they as they make this opening. <laughs> I love that term. <laughs> they make an opening in the roof, and uh, and then they lower their friend through. Uh, must have been a decent enough size opening to get a guy on a on a mat through, and they get him right in front of where Jesus is. I finally got their paralyzed friend to Jesus, their friend who can't walk. Going to Jesus, Jesus who has the power to heal. And you can imagine what everyone in that room and those huddled outside were waiting, waiting for. You can imagine they were waiting with bated breath, thinking, what's he going to say? Is Jesus going to heal him? I bet he will. We've seen him heal many, many people. But even a guy with paralysis... Is Jesus going to do that? What's he going to say? And Jesus, seeing their faith, says these words to the paralyzed man. Son, your sins are forgiven. And, and everyone must be thinking, what? Sins forgiven? But this guy is paralyzed. He, it's pretty obvious that he can't walk. I mean, he didn't walk through the door. They had to lower him down through the, the ceiling. Um, So what unexpected words for Jesus to speak? Son, your sins are forgiven. Here's Jesus who's uh, healed all kinds of people and cast out all kinds of demons. And there's a paralyzed guy brought to him. What's everyone expecting? A healing. But what does Jesus say? Son, your sins are forgiven. You see, everyone's expecting a healing Because they think this guy's biggest problem is his paralysis. The fact that he can't walk. But Jesus knows that guy and us have a much bigger problem than that. Sin. Rebellion against God. Wronging God. Rejecting the giver of life. Sin is turning our backs on God. Betraying him. And because of sin, each and every one of us deserves to face the penalty for our rebellion against him. And that's a far bigger problem than paralysis, isn't it? That's a far bigger problem than climate change. That's a far bigger problem than a lack of education. You see, we could solve all the other problems in the world, but we'd still be under God's judgment. None of those problems capture the real issue. We could live lives without physical ailments, but it wouldn't change our standing before God. We could stop the sea levels rising, but it wouldn't change our standing before God. We could live lives with all the education under the sun, and it would just make us smarter and and more conniving, and it wouldn't change our standing before God. In a world where all of these problems were solved, our biggest problem remains. God made each and every one of us, so we're accountable to him. Humanity That's each and every one of us has rebelled against God. So we've rejected him. One day, each and every one of us will give an account to God of our lives. So we will answer to him. God is perfect. So he demands perfection. None of us are perfect. So we stand condemned. That's humanity's greatest problem. Jesus knew it. Do we? All of us, before the perfect God, deserve condemnation to face the just penalty for our rebellion, eternal death. Our sinful rebellion against God is our biggest problem. 
It's the problem that underlies every other problem. It's the problem with eternal consequences. But that's not where the story ends. Not only does Jesus reveal our greatest problem, he provides the only solution, forgiveness of sins. Jesus tells this man his sins are forgiven. Jesus tells this man his rebellion is washed away and he's forgiven. That all the wrong things he has done and said and thought and will do and say and think are wiped from his record. He is washed clean. Jesus offers this man salvation from his and our biggest problem, sin, our rebellion against God. Jesus forgives this man and pronounces him right with God. And Jesus not only offers forgiveness to this man, but to all who come to him with open hands, ready to receive his free gift of eternal life. We too can have our records wiped clean and be made right with God in the Lord Jesus Christ. Instead of getting what we deserve, eternal judgment, we receive the free gift of life forever with Jesus. Jesus forgiving sins. Isn't that awesome? That sounds amazing. Jesus said to this man, son, your sins are forgiven. What beautiful words those are. Our biggest problem dealt with. But someone might say in response, that all sounds well and good. But anyone can say your sins are forgiven. So why should I trust Jesus? A similar sort of question came up back then when the scribes or the teachers of the law were questioning in their hearts. After Jesus said the paralyzed man is forgiven, they, the scribes, said to themselves, hey, wait, only God can forgive sins. So Jesus is blaspheming. The first part is true. Only God can forgive sins. You and I can forgive one another when we've, when we've, been wronged, when we've wronged one another, but we can't pronounce ultimate forgiveness to declare someone right before God. Only God can do that. Uh, If we imagine two guys, Jack and John, Jack can forgive John for hurting him and their friendship can be restored. But Jack can't forgive John for every wrong that John has ever committed and pronounce him forgiven in the sight of God. So coming back to what the scribes were thinking, they were thinking only, they were right in thinking that only God can forgive sins. They were right that Jesus was claiming to be God but they were wrong in their accusation that Jesus was blaspheming. They were wrong to think that Jesus was speaking out of turn. And that's because the scribes didn't recognize Jesus for who he is. To address this, Jesus heals the paralyzed man. Jesus heals the paralyzed man to show who he is, to show who Jesus is. To address this, he heals him. And Jesus does this by asking, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk. He's not talking about counting the syllables here, which I must admit is what I thought when I was a small child, um, trying to add up, well, which is easier to say, rise, get up and walk, uh, or like your sins are forgiven. Um, That's not what he's talking about. Um, (laughs) uh, He's talking about which one is is immediately testable. Uh, It's easier to say your sins are forgiven because there's no immediate way of testing that. Uh, We'll only know on the last day. Uh, It's not immediately apparent. But with get up and walk, it is. It's immediately apparent. If 
If you say get up and walk to a paralyzed man, either he's going to do it or he's not. And, and it's immediately obvious uh, whether, uh, whether he has been healed. So Jesus heals the paralyzed man, not just for the sake of it. No, he heals him for a very specific reason. See with me in verses 10 and 11. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. Jesus heals him. And, and after that, in verse 12, he does, he, does, he does get up immediately and everyone's glorifying God. Jesus heals him to show that he, Jesus, the divine Son of Man, has authority to forgive sins. Jesus shows that he can do the one that's easier to say, that is forgiving the man's sins, because he can do the one that's harder to say, healing the man on the spot. You see, yes, only God can forgive sins, but Jesus is God. The name Jesus uses to refer to himself here, Son of Man, is used in the Old Testament of the promised divine ruler over everything, the king of the whole world for all eternity. Jesus is that king. Jesus is the eternal God who has all power, all authority, and all rule. And as God, Jesus can and does forgive sins. And he's perfectly just in doing so. How? Because he went to the cross. Because he took the nails for you and for me. Because he died the death deserved by sinful rebels in our place. You see, Jesus forgiving sins is not him compromising God's justice. No, God is perfectly just and perfectly merciful. In the cross of Jesus, we see him who knew no sin become sin, take on our rebellion against God and bear God's wrath in our place that we go free. On that cross, Jesus, the Lamb of God, washes sinners clean through his perfect blood shed in our place. Our greatest problem is not some earthly problem. It's our sinful rebellion against God, meaning we naturally stand condemned before him. And the only solution to that problem is found in the crucified and risen Savior, Jesus Christ. So we've seen that our biggest problem is our sin. Just like the paralyzed man, whatever other problems we have, our biggest problem is our rebellion against God. Uh, that before the perfect God, we by nature stand condemned. We've seen that Jesus is the fully God, Son of Man, with authority to forgive. And we've seen Jesus prove his authority by healing the paralyzed man. And Jesus has done everything necessary to forgive sinners by dying in our place on the cross. The question that remains is, how does this relate to us today? And how do we respond to this message of Jesus today? I want us to look at those words that we've been thinking about, the words that Jesus says to the paralyzed man. And I want us to think about three ways that we could respond to these words. We're going to focus on these words of Jesus. Son, your sins are forgiven. That's what we all desperately need. Rescue from our sin, salvation, a clean record, being washed clean in the blood of the Lamb. All right, three responses to those words, your sins are forgiven. My sins are forgiven? But I'm, I'm not a sinner. 
I'm actually an, an all right person. That's response one. To the person who is assured of their own righteousness, Jesus' words humble them. Jesus' words humble all of us. He calls it how it is. There's no beating around the bush. We are sinners. We are rebels against the creator God deserving of his judgment. Despite attempts to downplay this reality, deep down, we all know this. And yet, many of us might not say these words, but in the way that we act, we may downplay our sin. But Jesus did not. We may wrongly think and live like there are bigger fish to fry, but Jesus calls our sin out for what it is, our biggest problem. Response one, that response of thinking, my sin's forgiven? I don't need forgiveness, is the attitude that much of our world promotes today. Saying things like everyone is perfect in their own way. Everyone is good. But this fails to recognize the severity of our sin. The Bible tells us that everyone is a sinner deserving of God's judgment, for all fall short of the glory of God. Failing to recognize the severity of the problem is fatal. Because if we don't see our sin, we'll never see our need for the Savior. And if we fail to see our need for Jesus, we can't be saved. So that's response one, a self-righteous failing to see the severity of our sin. My sins are forgiven, response one. Response two, my sins are forgiven, but I'm unforgivable. To the person assured of their sin, but hopeless and despairing, asking questions like, how could God ever forgive me? How could God ever love me? Jesus' words are a balm to the soul. Jesus' words are full of grace and truth, mercy and peace, reconciliation and forgiveness. As we've seen, Jesus doesn't downplay our sin, not at all, but Jesus is stronger than our sin. I suspect there'll be some of us here who have no issue seeing the severity of the situation, but struggle to see the strength of the Savior. This is response to despair and unbelief, failing to see the love and grace of Jesus. Both of those responses are wrong. Failing to see the severity of the situation and failing to see the strength of the Savior. And I think that as we walk the Christian life, we realize that at different times we may sway towards one of those two responses. Um, We may start to feel self-righteous like we're doing good things and therefore God must be happy with me. Or on the flip side, we may see more and more of our sin as we grow and become more despairing. I'm such a sinner, why would God ever forgive me? So if those responses, self-righteousness and despair, are not right, then what is the right response? My sins are forgiven because of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I trust you. The two key truths as to the severity of our sin We must recognize and confess to God that we are rebels against him, deserving of his judgment and in desperate need of his salvation. We don't downplay our sin. We recognize it and confess it. And at the same time, we confess that Jesus Christ is the almighty son of man with the authority to forgive sins who loved us so much that he stretched out his hands on a cross, dying the death 
we deserved, bearing our guilt that we may go free. And the cross is the way we make sense of all of this. Yes, our sin truly is horrible. And yes, our Savior is even greater. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus, the one who disarmed sin, death, and the devil, rendering them powerless through his death. That one is Jesus. The only right response to Jesus is coming like the paralyzed man and his friends, with open hands as beggars ready to receive the gift of Jesus, coming in faith, trusting in him, not downplaying our sin and not downplaying our Savior, recognizing that we are broken and trusting the only one who can make us whole, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. Uh, We acknowledge that we are sinners, Lord. We have rebelled against you in what we've thought, in what we've said, what we've done. And we, we confess that we are sinners, deserving of your judgment. We also, Lord, thank you. We thank you, Jesus, that you speak these words of forgiveness, of salvation to us, sinful people. Lord, each and every one of us needs this. Help us, Lord, to not be people who downplay our sin, but also help us, Lord, not to be people who downplay our Savior. Lord, grant that we would see our sin and that we would see Jesus, the Savior. Forgive us, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.